Rogers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T Plush. I'm a contributor for Revealing the Brew for Fansided and one of the co-founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy Podcast, where you can find all of our latest content and material on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod or on Facebook at Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. Joining me, as always, today is my good buddy, Trevor, a.k.a. Sunshine Bender. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And we, of course, are here to talk some Brewers baseball today. Before we get to all that, Trevor, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I, I have a question for you, Tyler. At this, when we're recording this, for those that don't know, this is 4 p.m. on Sunday, there is no Packer game. I am currently in my apartment by myself. Is it acceptable to be drinking a beer? Uh, yeah, you should probably have two in your hand. I think that'd be acceptable. Uh, well, I only have one, so hopefully that that is acceptable. But it is absolutely delicious. <laughs> That's all right. Because uh, there's no Packer game, I'm drinking water today in preparation for tomorrow. So I'm hydrating. Boo. <laughs> We're talking about the brewers, so you got to have a brew in your hand. Today. I don't know. I just had some coffee before this at, you know, 3.30 in the afternoon, so I'm a little wired now, too, so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, ju- I just had a cup of coffee, too. <laughs> oh, boy. Coffee right before beer? That That's interesting. Yeah, and I still have some left on the pot that's still warm, so it might be coffee after beer, too. All right. No judgments here. You do you, boo-boo. <laughs> Hey, I like the dark beers. They got some good coffee taste to the dark beers, so it, it fits. Yeah, those those are all you. And speaking of judgments, since you brought it up, word is from you, you're going to judge me here on some uh, Josh Hader trade rumors. So let me have it. I want to hear it before we get into the signings of Justin Smoke and Eric Sogard. What beef do you got to pick with me here? So first, why don't you tell me, where, what side are you leaning currently? Are you currently leaning towards you want to trade Hater or not? And don't give me this if the right package is available. Tell me yes or no, straight up. Yeah, that's definitely the cop-out answer. I'm leaning more towards no. Well, that makes this less of a thing towards you, but I kind of get where people are coming from with this trading Josh Hader because, you know, you're probably going to get a pretty big haul uh, maybe you can fill some spots in our roster that have holes in certain ways. Maybe you can get a few contributors that are going to be this year and then get some guys in the farm. I just don't like it. You you have this guy under team control for what, four more years, Tyler? Correct. You have the best relief pitcher in baseball under club control for four more years. You do not trade him. 
unless they give you the absolute farm, they give you prospects one, two, and three, and they all fit needs and they all can contribute this year, then yeah, maybe. But I don't think any team's going to give you that. So you need to keep Josh Hader because he is one of the best players on your team. He is easily the best pitcher on your team. You cannot be trading him. He is, especially with Corey Knable back in the mix, I think it gets him back to where he should be in that, you know, 7-8 range, not 8-9 range. And I just think that makes your team so much better. And losing him would be a huge hit to this bullpen. And even the offense you gain from a possible trade, I don't think it's enough because Hayter is that dominant. Yes, he gives up home runs here and there, but he is absolutely electric and one of the best pitchers in the league, full stop, not just relievers. He's probably the best reliever in the game. For my eyes, there's no question. Granted, I'm biased, so maybe top three reliever in the game. He's probably a top five overall pitcher in the NL, maybe even better than that. Like, I I just don't see it. Unless they're giving you everything, which I don't think teams are going to give you everything, I don't see the point of even talking about this because, like I said, if if you get the top three prospects and all of those prospects fits needs and can contribute, I just don't see the point of it because we are in a contention window with Christian Yelich. Who knows how long we're going to have him after his current contract is up. You don't trade one of your next best players when you have what should have been a two-time MVP on your team. I just I don't understand it. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you're saying. And then you, you mentioned like, hater for prospects and yeah that that trade would with any team would never happen because the terms prospects in terms of the farm systems means they don't have you know a substantial amount of MLB experience any return for Josh Hader has to come I think with at least two proven MLB players (laughs) and that's I mean that's quite a bit to give up already and then plus maybe like a fringe guy who might still be a prospect might not Um, that's kind of how I base all my like hypothetical packages where I I try to validate why the Brewers or who the Brewers could trade for even though I'm with you you don't trade him because what he's doing is historic his 2018 K per nine ratio was 15.8 in 2019 so last year is even better at 16.4 I know a lot of fans complain about, oh, well, he gave up so many home runs and he just, he wasn't as good. Okay, whatever. Screw you guys. He's, <laughs> he was just as damn efficient and pitching a lot more last year on back to backs, which you mentioned Corey Knable coming back. That's something the, that should help Josh Hader next year. They won't have to throw him out in back-to-back days to pick up saves. They can roll Hader out one day, Knable out another day. They can kind of use that alternating closer tandem depending on usage rates, and that will help the Brewers out tremendously. I think I've seen a lot of people post on Twitter like who are in the same boat of to not trade him. All I want for Christmas is the Brewers to keep Josh Hader. <laughs> and yeah, I I agree. Even even with the home runs, and I get that's an issue, and shout out to you, Tyler, you solved it. Josh Hader throws more sliders. He doesn't give up the home runs. You just throw that in there every once in a while. It keeps hitters off balance because, one, his slider is good, and, two, his fastball is absolutely phenomenal. So you throw that slider in every once in a while. It makes it pretty challenging to hit catch back up to that fastball. But when he was having those home run issues – it was fastball after fastball after fastball, and we didn't see the slider. And that was 
to me, that was the issue. He got back to throwing sliders. We didn't see the home runs again because guys got familiar with the speed and he throws the fastball in one location. If you haven't noticed, it's a fastball high. That's where he throws it. So if that's the only pitch you throw, MLB hitters are good. That's why they're in the MLB. They're going to make you pay for that. So just him throwing a slider, you know, one or two times in that bat is enough to get hitters off balance that they cannot catch up to that fastball. And that's when he's really good. He is absolutely phenomenal. Like, it is incredible if you look at his numbers. 2019 numbers, he had a 2.62 ERA, and he struck out 138 and 75 innings pitch. That is absurd. He had a whip under 1.0 at 0.806, which is actually lower than his career average of 0.850. So he actually allowed less walks or hits, basically base runners, per innings pitched than he has in his career. The only thing that hurt him was the home runs. And like I mentioned... We figured that out. If he throws a slider just more frequently, it's going to help him prevent that because it keeps those batters off guard. And if he didn't give up those home runs, if he would have figured that out a little bit sooner, I bet you he would have had an absolute career year and he would have been in the running for Cy Young. That's how good of a performance he had outside of that whatever month, month and a half stretch of giving up a lot of home runs. But side note, he was still an all-star. He was still extremely effective. He won the Trevor Hoffman Reliever of the Year again, even with those concerns. So he cleans that up. He gets Corey Knebel back there. Maybe Bobby Wall can contribute down the stretch of the season for him as well. Look out. You're going to see a Cy Young, Josh Hader. Mark my words. That's why you don't trade him. And the Brewers are adding good offensive pieces to complement this team. And you mentioned some of the bullpen guys will step up. I mean, J.P. Feierheisen's another guy that comes to mind who could be good in 2020. Freddie Peralta's been tearing it up in winter ball. The Brewers specifically haven't said what his role is going to be next year, but you have to think he's going to be a relief pitcher at this point. So there's lots of, lots of good pieces out there in the Brewers' bullpen. I feel like is already much in form but with Josh Hader intact on the team, so I don't I don't see any reason to get rid of that big piece because then you got to find ways to replace him, and that sounds like more of a headache than what it is worth uh, filling a few holes on the offensive end. You cannot replace a guy that strikes out batters like he does, and he's too unique for for the Brewers to even think about getting rid of him unless you get a couple contributing guys and top-of-the-line prospects, I just I don't see it. I really don't understand why this is a thing. I get listening to calls because if you do get blown away, maybe it makes sense. But even if you do get blown away with offers, how do you make your bullpen good without Josh Hader? Because Corey Knable's great. Bobby Wall could be good. You know, those guys we mentioned, they could all be good. But Josh Hader makes that bullpen incredible or the possibility of making that bullpen incredible. So I don't see it. I don't like the idea of it. And I really, really hope that we get to see that long-haired beauty for four more years. (laughs) 100% agree. All right, we're going to put aside the Josh Hader rumors until next year. Let's not talk about it for the rest of the year. And we're going to move on to uh, some news that the Brewers had over this last week. Uh, So we'll start with the signing of first baseman Justin Smoke first. Signed for one year, five mil. He does have a club option for 2021 with an annual salary of 5.5 that year. And then there's a $1 million buyout. So what do you think about the signing, Trevor? You like it or are you going to miss E.T. more? 
I would have absolutely loved Eric Thames for that money. Now, if Eric Thames got that same money, that would have saved us, what, $1.5 million, if I'm not mistaken? So that would have been nice to save that money and get Eric Thames. I don't know how much this $1.5 million savings is beneficial without getting Eric Thames back. I think Justin Smoke could be effective enough to make it worth it, but I felt more confident with Eric Thames. Thames has not signed any work. So if he signs somewhere for five mil, I will be a little bit more upset because I have more faith in him. I think Justin Smoke has been not as great as teams would have probably thought he was going to be coming into, I believe he was a, an 11th overall pick and he just hasn't lived up to that billing. But you look back to his 2017 season, he had a pretty good year. Uh, he was actually an all-star that year. He hit 38 home runs, batted 270, 883 for his OPS in 2017. And his slugging percentage in 2017 was 529 on base of 355. So if you just look at that stat line again, again, he slashed 270, 355, 529 with an OPS of 883. That sounds pretty familiar to Eric Thames. So if we're able to get somewhat back to that point, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, he had 90 RBIs, 38 home runs, like I said. Since then, he's still been able to hit a decent amount of home runs. He had 25 in 2018, 22 this past season when he was 32 years old. So I get it. Switch hitter in Miller Park. I think he could be very effective. And like I said, you look at the last three years of 22, 25, and 38 home runs. If he's able to contribute 25 to 30 home runs, even if he's batting, you know, 250, 260, I think that's very similar to Eric Thames' production. So I would be happy with that if he's able to keep that up. So I like it. I don't love it. I would have loved Eric Thames for one year, five mil, but we'll have to see if he's able to contribute. But being in Miller Park should help. The one thing that was a little concerning in 2019 was his batting average was not good, 208. If he can get back to 2017, 2018 form, I think we're going to see 30 home runs, 250, 260 batting average. And I, I think that's a good signing for the for what it is. I think a lot of fans were like, they justified it by like, oh, because we saved that 1.5 million. That's why they liked it. And it seems to be the theme of the Brewers this off season. But I mean, they are pretty similar players, as he pointed out. If you go back even to war over the last three seasons, Eric Thames was at 4.9 and then Justin Smoke is at 5.5. So pretty similar you mentioned his down year last year, at least batting average-wise. He was playing through a quad injury throughout most of the second half of last year and kind of said, you know, I, I pushed through it and should have took more time off. Obviously, that hindered his batting average a little bit, but for me, it's it's the walks that's impressive. 79 walks last year, 83 in 2018, and then 73 in 2017. Eric Thames, as we know, walked a lot. Justin Smoke is going to strike out less than Eric Thames, a strikeout percentage uh, in the lower 20s, whereas Thames was closer to 30. And then I think the fact that Smoke's a switch hitter provides value too, because now you don't necessarily need a platoon, uh, depending on the starting pitcher at first base, for Smoke and be out there no matter who is on the mound. Obviously, he has more power when he's a left-handed hitter, uh, but he definitely could start against lefties as well and hit from the right side. In terms of areas where I think we might lose a little bit with the smoke signing, I think defense is one. If you look at DRS scores between Thames and Smoke, 
Thames was a negative two in 2018, a positive two in 2019, and then Smoke was a negative three both years. So losing maybe a little there, but Smoke's he's played a lot of first base, so he's he's always going to make the right plays, the right decisions. And then in terms of speed, my God, Justin Smoke is slow as shit. Could see a lot of long singles, definitely not going to steal any bases. And whoever is batting after him, if it's a fast guy, eh, they, they, they could catch up to him. I, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> so I think those are some areas where you could see some differences between these two guys' games. Eric Thames' defense surprised me because just looking at him, He's a big guy. You figured he does enough just to catch the ball at first, but he has made some good plays in a Brewers uniform. He definitely defended better than I thought he would, so that's a little bit of a concern, but you talking about him a little bit more at the plate with having more power when he is batting left-handed, I think that right there tells me that's why David Stern signed him. One, he can bat off of both sides. Two, he has more power off the left-hand side of the plate. In case you didn't know, Christian Yelich is a lefty and really took off in Miller Park. I am starting to like it a little bit more, but that is definitely one thing to keep an eye on is his speed, ability to even just get to balls that Eric Thames were able to get to because I didn't picture Eric Thames as a very fast player, but... He was definitely able to make plays defensively, so that's one thing I'm a little bit concerned about. But offensively, you know, I think we're going to be okay. Career 231 hitter, not great, but I think in Miller Park, he is going to improve on those numbers. Hopefully, my prediction for Justin Smoke, 275, 30 home runs, and he's going to hit probably in the five hole. There's going to be a lot of batters on, so he's going to hit or get 95 RBIs. And he is going to be a steal of a signing for the 2020 season. Let's go. <laughs> that, that's a pretty good optimism. 275, that'd be a career high for him batting average-wise. He's in Miller Park now. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting you bring up the five hole. It, I honestly don't. I had expected him to be maybe a little bit lower than that. It's it's hard because it's, you know, I don't know where they're going to bat Ryan Braun. Usually, Council has faith in him and puts him up at least pretty high in the batting order. Okay, even if you put Braun in the five hole and put Smoke in the sixth hole, I don't think that changes like a ton of what his RBI chances are going to be because, yeah, Braun isn't the player he used to be, but Braun's still going to hit 270, 280, I would think. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what he hits. I, I still think the top of the order, it'll be interesting It'll be, it'll be interesting to watch, but I do think he's going to get opportunities whether he's in the five or six. Narvaez is a good hitter too, so it's you're definitely not going to have your catcher hitting eighth <laughs> uh, with Narvaez, um, probably Urias or Arcia most likely. But yeah, that, that's a good problem to have when you're not quite sure where to, where to put guys yet at this point. And I guess how they play early on will kind of determine that as well. It, actually, it could be interesting. I mean, you think of Justin Smoke for how much he walks – I mean, we put Eric Thames at leadoff for a while. You could bat him up in the one or two hole just because then you have Christian Yelich who likes to smash home runs, and then you don't really have to worry about his speed as much. Yelich in the three hole. Please, Craig Council, please. <laughs> that, that's how he ended last year before the injury, so we'll see where he is. <laughs> I, I get the new analytics, but I still would much rather prefer seeing Christian Yelich hit in the three hole and just put guys in front of him that get on base, whether it's Smoke 
Hopefully Lorenzo Cain can figure it out and him not being injured and bothered by that thumb injury. Hopefully that all helps. And I think David Stearns has some inside knowledge as to Lorenzo Cain's going to be back to 2018 because I don't think he trades Trent Grisham without that. So I am really, really confident Lorenzo Cain is going to come back to what we saw in 2018. Yeah, me too. I mean, think about that. Cain won, smoke two, and then Yelich just hitting three-run bombs in the first innings to start games. That I'd be okay with that. Yeah, just <laughs> just be up 3 nothing at the end of the first every time, and who cares about the starting pitching? <laughs> now you're thinking like David Stearns. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, that was some good Justin Smoke topics here. Let's move on to Eric Sogard. So a guy we're all pretty familiar with, nerd power. Someone had to say it. Bringing him back. Last time we saw Eric Sogard, he was in by far the worst offensive slump of his entire career and was technically DFA'd twice by the Brewers in 2018 uh, before he signed uh, with Toronto in the offseason to begin last year was doing great, and then got traded to the Rays because the Rays were contending and put together a career year, career year in 2019. I don't think it's fair to expect that out of him this year, but what are your initial thoughts on bringing him back? One, I love nerd power. Two, his wife and daughter posted some videos on Twitter, and one, his daughter is fucking adorable saying that they're happy to be back in Milwaukee. So I'm really happy for him. The whole family seems excited that they're back in Milwaukee. I am excited to have him. He is surprised. Like, I did not know that he was 33 years old already. And really, by the time important baseball comes, he's going to be 34 because he turns 34 in May. But one year, four and a half million, I think makes some sense. And... Like Tyler said, I do not expect him to be a player that's going to kind of have a resurgence and be able to keep up what he did last year. Um, I mean, his numbers were pretty spectacular when you look at it. A 290 batting average, on-base percentage of over 350, OPS of 810. So he had a really, really good year last year. I don't expect quite that much. But I do think just any terms of depth in that infield is going to help. And I think that's what David Stearns has been going for. I still think there's a move out there that he is going to make a splash. I thoroughly believe that. But it makes the floor for this team better than it had been. Because you have these depth pieces. You get... Garcia in the outfield, you get Smoke at first, Nervias behind the plate, you get those players. Now you get Sogard who can play second, he can play short, he can play third. So you have this guy who is a capable offensive player. Even his career average is just under 250. So it's not like he's incapable of hitting a baseball. I think he's going to be effective. He bats lefty for the money. For what he's going to be, I think he's going to be that utility player, that Aaron Perez type, not quite as versatile as Perez, but I do think it makes a ton of sense. I don't think they overpaid for him. If they did, maybe a hair. But overall, I really like what they did. I like that they brought him back. It's not going to move the needle a ton, but like I said, I think it makes that floor a little higher. It doesn't make the ceiling much higher, But I think it makes that basement what the worst they can do is better just by having an experienced player, one that can play multiple positions. You know, Keston goes down or is in a little bit of defensive slump, which that wouldn't be surprising. Or, you know, Arcia 
and Uris isn't figuring it out at shortstop, you can throw him in there, kind of get their, light their asses on fire a little bit, get them playing a little bit better. I think he's going to be an asset using him in a utility role, and I think he's going to prove to be pretty effective in that role and one that Brewer fans in the end are going to be fairly happy with. You nailed it right on the head. The depth has increased. I mean, you look at last year, like we were relying on like Tyler Saladino as our depth guy to come in for spot starts and make things happen, and that did not work out. Uh, so, hey, hey, he hit two grand slams in back-to-back games, Tyler. That, that's about all he did, really. <laughs> <laughs> that is all he did. <laughs> oh man, but. It's nice to know that he can fill in anywhere and then just be a nice mentor for young Kesson here at second base, kind of getting his footing down at second base because that's where the Brewers have announced they're going to commit to him playing next year. Just focus on that one spot and you got a, a veteran guy to lean on and who's going to help you out in that regard. So yeah, I like it. I mean, and it just kind of leaves you with that thought. All right. Third base is still the hole. When's a Donaldson signing coming? I, I don't know if it's coming or not, but we'll, it's we'll coming. find out. <laughs> it's coming. I, I missed horribly on the Dallas Keuchel. Fuck you, Yasmani Grandal. I'm completely blaming him this on him. But I was wrong with Dallas Keuchel. It has to be Josh Donaldson. It just has to. It seems like most of the NL East teams are in contention for Donaldson. And seeing how he's the, the best third baseman on the market, I He's definitely still not going to be cheap. Teams like the Rangers have announced that they're out, which means it's Rangers got money to spend. So I don't know if the Brewers can afford him in all honesty, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, there are other guys out there too, like Todd Frazier, a lot of fans want. Wilmer Flores is out there. Struble Cabrera could play third. Eh, I don't know if I really like that. But yeah, and then we obviously can't bring back Travis Shaw for he is now a Blue Jay <laughs> announced recently. So he's there on one year, $4 million just for a fresh start. So Good for him. I wish him the best of luck out there in that place they call Canada. All right, but I think that will do it for us today. Happy holidays from the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. Everybody drive safe, enjoy some time off with family here, and we will, unless something crazy happens, most likely talk to you next year. So peace out, Brewer fans. Justin Stearns. 